Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. So you're originally born in Rochester? Yep, still there. Hi, and this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today I'm here with Willie. Hey guys. Really requested interview. Oh, awesome. <laughs> no clue. So yeah, we just, we don't leave. <laughs> but uh, it might be in the cards to be moving to either like LA or Las Vegas. I'm just kind of looking oh, for Oh, Vegas, new. interesting. Yeah. Pretty much anywhere with like a really good airport. I'm oh, that's in. smart, yeah. Yeah, because right now living with us like by a really small airport, it's like you're always connecting, you're always oh, yeah. having like crazy flights and terrible prices. So mm, yeah. the more I'm traveling, the more I'm just like kind of over it. <laughs> what do your parents do? Uh, mom started as a school teacher and then she kind of um, found her way into publishing for, oh. like, um, for like school books and textbooks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And she actually travels way more than I do. So she's like on a plane no like every couple of days. She's always in like New York or Boston. She was flying to Florida a lot when her office was down there mm. too. So she'll be gone like all throughout the week. And she'll fly back at the end of the week and like, you know, we'll have her for the weekends and stuff. But yeah, she she has crazy amount of points wow. and like status. And I'm just like, yeah. sometimes I want to complain about like traveling so much. And she's just like, huh, 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 funny. <laughs> Damn, you barely see her then. Yeah, well, I mean, when I grew up like, she was, uh, before she got promoted, like, she kept getting, like, promotions because she was just, mm -hmm. like, this really good at her job. But she was more traveling as a representative or, like, a consultant within the state of New York. So she was, yeah. she had, like, a van that they gave her. And, like, she would always, like, travel to school districts, like, around Rochester. And she had, like, her own little region. And then she became, like, her region expanded to all of the Northeast and, like, all of the oh, East wow. Coast. So, That's like, cool to see yeah. her, like, career yeah, yeah. progression grow. Oh, yeah. We're all like super happy and proud of her, <laughs> but she's uh. We always tell her she needs to like relax because she's a workaholic. <laughs> How about your dad? Um, he is and has always been a financial advisor. Mhm. Mm and uh, he kind of owned. He started his own firm company. I would say probably like 15, 20 years ago, and then I was actually working there with him oh. as a financial advisor. Um, out of college until like actually probably the beginning of this year. Whoa. So I just, I just kind of like transitioned out of being a financial advisor recently. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And where do you think you got your creative side from? I think my my grandparents. Oh, interesting. And uh, my whole family is actually like crazy at music, but like more like conventional like music. Like mm -hmm. uh, my brother was always playing either like bass guitar or trombone. Um, my two like first cousins who I'm super close with were like traveling the world playing like instruments like they're always in all the top bands that like oh, you wow. could be in and orchestras and stuff like that. Oh so they're all more on the classical side or? Yeah it's more like um uh well first like jazz is like really big in the family. Oh. So my grandfather was uh really big into jazz and then my mom's brother which is his dad he still plays in jazz bands so it's just like I think it was just kind of like a normal thing kind of in my family to like kind of like see what kind of instrument you like and then mm -hmm. uh, I started playing drums when I was like, they gave me a drum set I think for like Christmas, like six or seven years yeah. old 
and I started taking private lessons after that for probably until the end of high school, so probably like 12 years. Wow. Yeah. What kind of music was played in your house? Like, was it mostly jazz or anything else? I would say I didn't have a lot of music being played in the house, which is kind of, I, mean, I don't know if that's strange or not, but like, you know, you go on like car rides with your parents oh, and they yeah. take you. Uh, it was mostly like easy listening, jazzy type stuff. Nice. Yeah. I think my mom listened to book on tapes. <laughs> She's a teacher, I don't know. <laughs> and how do you describe your personality back then growing up? I don't know. I feel like I was always kind of on the shy side. I still kind of am. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't that hard making friends in school, I feel like. My school was kind of like easy. It was pretty like small. Suburb where I kind of went to school it was always like very nice and like there was like the parents were always like doctors or lawyers or something. Oh, wow. So like everyone was just kind of like pretty chill and like, you know, it wasn't mm -hmm. like anything rough or anything. So. Do you think you were like kind of like studies were really important to you? Yeah, school yeah. was like definitely important. And I know my parents always, at least my mom, she always got, she was the enforcer of like, you gotta do well, you gotta do your yeah. AP classes, you gotta do all this, you gotta get in a good school, you gotta go to college, you gotta get a good career after that. Did it come naturally to you or was it her, like, kind of making you study more? It was it within you to do really well in school? I always, I feel like I did really well in school growing up, kind of on my own. And like, obviously she would, like, help me, um, kind of like push that. But I remember like kind of being in like, a lot of the advanced classes, or even in like middle school or like elementary school. What subjects did you gravitate towards? I was always big into math until like math became not math anymore, and then it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like more like science. Or yeah, something. I was like, I mean, I could do like number stuff like really easily, but then they started doing weird stuff with like shapes and stuff, and mm -hmm. there's like geometry, and I was like, yeah, I'm over this. <laughs> I did my part. When was it that your brother showed you? Was it NDC? Yeah. 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 How'd you know that? <laughs> he would take me around. He's always big into Subarus. He's six years older than I am, and uh, so he had his license first. And he uh, put in one of those, you know, those like systems. Yeah. Like the sub in the trunk or whatever. That was big back in the day. <laughs> so like he would, uh, he would always have his like Andy C mix on with DJ uh, or not, not DJ uh, MC Skibidi, and that was like the like the drum mm -hmm. bass like MC back then, and like. I always make fun of him, like pretending to be MC Skibbity and like saying this music was like terrible. And I was like, I don't know how you listen to this. I was like, I don't know, 10 years old, you know? So I was just like, a 10 year old really liking drum and bass from, like, <laughs> yeah. from New York. But uh, looking back on it, I was like, wait, these mixes are like fire. Yeah. And like, I would go back and listen to it now. I'm like, yeah, this is a sick mix. Like, I don't know, I didn't like this then. <laughs> but I guess that's my first introduction to like electronic music or like bass music. Mm -hmm. And then what did you study in college? I studied finance, mm -hmm. political science, and I think just those two, yeah, finance and political science. Oh. And then I uh, played a lot of video games. <laughs> did you like finance and political science? Not, I didn't like finances. I didn't mind finance. Accounting, I didn't really like. Oh, accounting sucks. It does suck. Um, political science I really enjoyed because I was actually on track. I didn't know if I wanted to be a lawyer or go into like what my father wanted to do. Um, and all like, in high school I was taking pre-law stuff and like I was in like this thing called like the mock trials where mm -hmm. like, where the law explorers were basically you like thinking, you like go and pretend you're a lawyer, they give you a case and like yeah. you figure it out and you think you're like the coolest guy ever. 
because you actually go into like a real courtroom. That sounds fun though. Case. Yeah, you have to like fight a real yeah. case with like with like a real judge there. I didn't know if I want to be a lawyer or go into my father's uh, side. Uh, end up going into my father's side because uh, I didn't do bad in college. I just like I I kind of lost my like spark to learn things. Mm. And I was playing a lot of World of Warcraft. <laughs> so there was like that too. Did your parents realize how into gaming you were? Yeah, they hated it. They yeah. were like, you're wasting your like time and your money and like you should be focusing on your studies. And like I was playing like Counter-Strike and World of Warcraft and Call of Duty all like semi-professionally where I was getting paid to like win little tournaments oh, and wow. stuff like that. Oh wow, that's, that's so, like, big. Yeah, me I was like, all right, I gotta like figure out how to make this like a career so they can like finally like, you know, be proud of me or think it wasn't a waste of time, but like, yeah, I just kind of stopped doing that. I mm -hmm. realized, like, Wait, so were you traveling for these competitions like during school or? One time, there was yeah. like one, one land tournament or something. Mm -hmm. We'd have to like go travel to, but like. What was their reaction when they saw you were doing the competitions? Like it didn't really. I mean, still they're like, how much money you can make out of this? They're like, can you make it a viable career? And there's. Like, You'd have to do it so much yeah. now, right? You have to be more well, addicted to it. Yeah, and back then like video games haven't really popped like what they are now. Yeah, that's now they're true. like, I feel like some, I think I heard that some colleges like are starting to give scholarships for like what? gaming. Yeah. And like Twitch obviously is like gigantic now and there's that's like so TwitchCon and like <laughs> people are making like just streaming on yeah. Twitch are making like thousands and millions of dollars where like that didn't even really exist when I was doing it. True. I was kind of just like the nerdy gaming kid who now it's like, you're cool. You're like an eSport like athlete yeah. now. <laughs> are you still like gaming that much or was it kind of just like a phase in college? Okay, so <laughs> I completely quit cold turkey. I quit I quit the habit and I started making, I have a very, I feel like an addictive personality. Mm -hmm. If like, when I was addicted to video games like through and through, like I knew I had an addiction. Like if my mom used to like, when I was in high school, she would like hide my keyboard when I was at school and I would like come home just like tearing through house like where is it oh, i God. need my to mom play did the same with my brother yeah. yeah it was like i was that yeah, i was like kind of embarrassing but like whatever i was i really wanted to play my games it was fun and like i feel like i had friends you know that you like kind of like talk to online that you haven't really actually met yeah but they're the people you played with every day and you became like really close with them might sound a little weird but if you're like from that kind of culture you kind of understand that these like these are like some of your closest friends if you're like talking on like a discord or some kind of like voice app with them like mm -hmm. every single day and you kind of like learn more about them so yeah i don't know those are kind of i was more of the like that kind of kid mm -hmm. i definitely but had like real life friends especially in college that, like helped me get like more real life friends mm -hmm. but yeah i still always had my like core group of gaming mm -hmm. friends did it ever occur to you to study music or looking back do you wish you would have um well i always knew how to read and write music uh that was just from all the like music courses that I had taken and like uh, the private lessons I've taken all through my life so like music was always like there um, I didn't really do anything with my drums when I moved to college after high school yeah I was gonna say were you ever in some bands I feel like so many people who make music like EDM now are we're in bands right um, no all my bands were like traditional like school bands or like mm. traveling bands or like orchestras or like I remember, like, we would go to, like, Disney World and stuff like that and, like, compete in, like, band competitions. Oh, wow. I guess I was a band kid. I don't know. I was, like, <laughs> I was in the, per like, percussion ensembles and stuff like that. I was just, like, playing drums. Mm -hmm. um, and I would play more, like, jammy-type, like, bands, like, personal, like, three or four people bands. But it wasn't, like, 
anything like punk or rock or something. It's more like Dave Matthews Band style oh, stuff. Yeah. Just like kind of jam out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are your friends name? Like, was it Ryan and Jake who got you more into the electronic music? Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, I just saw actually not too long ago. He goes by Nautix. And he was playing on the same RV at Electric Forest. Oh. Uh, he lives in Buffalo. So these are like people I met through music. Uh, Jake was another really close friend that him and Ryan started this like really good breaksy house uh, duo called Dusty Bits and they would like I would I would compare a lot of it to like what uh, like uh, you know Wookie yeah like what he kind of makes that like breakbeat stuff or like just fun like cool house music um, yeah I think Ryan, I think Jay kind of stepped back from it a little bit now, and like Ryan pretty much just focuses on doing this Nautics project. Mm -hmm. But um, they were the first ones that kind of like, they got me a copy of Ableton, and like, I remember, I think this is, alright, this is, I was thinking about this the other day. <laughs> I was like, what was like the definitive like moment of when I started like really wanting to like learn how to make music on the computer? Mm -hmm. And we were like the three like best friends, right? We would like always hang out. Ryan was always, he's been making music for years before us. And like Jake and I were always just kind of DJs and never really knew how to make music. And Ryan lives in Buffalo with Jake and I live in Rochester, which is an hour away. So they obviously they were a lot closer and they would like hang out a little bit more than I would be able to hang out with them. And he like started this project called Dusty Bits with Jake. I kind of got left out in the dust. And I was like, kind of low-key sad about it, but like I didn't say anything. But I was like, man, I thought it was gonna be all of like three of us, you know, like doing this. <laughs> like, yeah, and like I always wanted, I was always, I would say like a pretty good DJ. Um, but like after a while, you kind of hit a ceiling. Yeah, where like, were you DJing? You were DJing a bunch, right? Or yeah, um, mostly house music and tech house music and like that stuff. At like local clubs. Or? Yeah, it was like local clubs or like. Uh, one of my buddies that actually taught me how to like mix, um, which he like, he was like kind of more of like a purist when it comes to DJs, like in the, like the house scene. So like, yeah. he made me learn how to like DJ by putting tape over like the like the BPM and everything, and it was like CDJ 800, so it didn't even have like the BPM number. Yeah. So to like use your ear oh, and like wow. ride the pitch fader, and like that's how I learned how to DJ. It's like I'm not, if I'm gonna teach you how to DJ, you're gonna learn the right way. Like, <laughs> All right, now it's like really easy, just like. Yeah. Everything is all digital with the BPM for you and everything. But yeah, he taught me how to DJ. Started playing more house music because Rochester is very house, tech house. Mm -hmm. That was like the whole community. The whole like dubstep community was like, it was there, but not really. Even though I still liked dubstep and drum and bass more, it just you didn't really have a lot of opportunities to play it. So I kind of just got like used to playing house and like tech house and stuff like that. Where are you getting it? Um, like a local following there. I was like this like big old rave kid back in the day. Yeah, you went to so many like yeah. festivals every year and every single festival. Yeah, so like Crazy. I start, I, I, uh, there was this like Facebook group called the Rochester Rave Community and like the guys that started it kind of like lost interest so they kind of like passed it along to me and like uh, a couple of other of my friends so I was like one of the head admins and like throwing like little tiny like get-togethers and events and stuff around town that were like, kind of just like local shows and then we would also be like brought on to like sell tickets for when like the big shows came through so let's say like a tour came through they would hit us up and they'd give me a stack of tickets like hey like you know 
if you sell this many tickets, you know, you get like a commission and stuff like that, and you like get a couple free tickets to the show. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that was my intro to start like selling tickets, oh, like promoting. That's how you stuff. went to so many. Yeah. So yeah, we would sh- we would sell tickets for like festivals, like um, I think like Electric Zoo was one of the festivals, and like anything local around that, or, like all the day glows that came through, oh, yeah. and like Life and Colors, whatever. Um, so we would sell all the tickets to that. And um, that kind of just led me into like also wanting to DJ more because I like saw all these shows. Like, all right, I want to be a DJ, learned how to DJ. And now I'm like, you can only DJ so much and like you're never going to get really yeah. the slots that you want unless you kind of bring your own production to it or make your own music. So that was like, I want to play more because I just love DJing so much. I'm just going to learn how to make music and see what happens with that. And then I just like became obsessed with it, fell mm-hmm. in love with it. And then do you have a moniker before or would you always go by Willie? Um, so I've had this nickname since college or high school. High school. High school. Uh, Frosh. I always looked um, way younger than I was. Mm-hmm. And like when I was like especially younger, I guess, in like high school. So like Frosh is like, I guess, short for freshman. Mm-hmm. And like when I was a senior, they called me Frosh. And then in, didn't think it was going to stick, and then it did, and then I made a Facebook account, and, like, I think in college was, like, when I made my Facebook account, and I just made that my last name, so people couldn't really find me, because I figured the government was watching or something. Yeah. So I just kind of stuck there, so, yeah. I also just DJed under that name. Mm-hmm. But the S was a dollar sign, and it had diamonds in it, and it was really cool. Was cool. <laughs> and what made you want to go by Wooly? After, like, I gave it, like, six months of, like every single day on YouTube learning like I was obsessed right like as soon as like I wanted to be better than Dusty Bits I have two friends so I had like catch up to, yeah I was, I was very competitive I think it has something to do with like video gaming because I feel mm-hmm. there's a, a lot of parallels between video games yeah. and making music you're basically just playing a video game with like it's music you're on your computer and you gotta like you know, get better and le- learn more techniques and learn shortcuts and learn like how to like, you know, navigate through everything. There's a lot of similarities between music making and competitive video games, I feel like. I guess really obsessed with making music and like would just watch tutorials on YouTube like six, seven hours a day and stay up till like five in the morning just like trying to learn new things and like I remember I had like a book next to me. I would learn like different techniques. I would write them down, so I like I would never forget them. How do you get your first momentum? I was friends with Bear Grylls. Oh, okay. Before I was even Wooly, or like a really a DJ, and I think it had something to do with him just like being like very like when he first started, he was very close with some of his friends, and I started like messaging him on some kind of social media. I forget which one. Maybe it was Snapchat, but like we became like friends somehow. I don't know how it happened, but we would talk a lot. And then like, eventually I was like, yeah, like I just started making music and I'm sure he was like, yeah, cool man, whatever, like send me stuff whenever you think it's good or whatever. Yeah. Probably not really thinking it was ever going to happen or like, you know, but eventually I got better and he started playing some of my music and then he picked me up to be, he wanted to manage me oh. and he was my manager for like a couple months, I would say. Um, it was me, company, 
And this girl from Australia named Sippy. I don't know if you've heard of her. No, I haven't yet. She like crushes the dubstep scene out in Australia. Oh, wow. Uh, she's this little short blonde girl who just like crushes it. And, oh, like, wow. She goes crazy on stage. Um, but yeah, he wanted to start like this little like management collective. And then it eventually got too big to where like, you know, he's an artist. Yeah. And we're all like getting a little bit, we were getting bigger too. So we like all kind of realized that it wasn't really the smartest thing mm -hmm. for him to like, he just didn't have the time. Um, so we went over to, I went over to uh, him and myself and Kyle, all went over to this other guy named John, who's still currently my manager. Um, Kyle and Bear Girls left a while ago, but I stuck with him. So that's how I got to my management company. Oh, okay. Yeah. And how did you meet Ray Volpe? <sighs> that's another friend, I guess, that I made before I was a DJ. Um, I met him because my brother lives in Denver and was best friends with Dirt Monkey. And my brother is a DJ out there still. Oh, wow. Uh, he goes by Shank Aaron. So he, like, was the resident DJ at Beta and plays, like, mm -hmm. you know, he'll play Red Rocks and stuff like that when he opens and stuff like that. Um, but now he's, like, kind of crushing it, too, a little bit. He's got some <laughs> songs, like, coming awesome. out on, like, Circus and stuff. Yeah, I'm happy for him. But, uh, yeah, him and Patrick, Dirt Monkey, really good friends. Uh, Dirt Monkey and Janston, really good friends. They started a label called Kairos Audio. And Ray Volpe put out songs on Kairos Audio. This was their music label before, like, probably five or six years ago, actually. Mm -hmm. um, they took them on tour as well. So, like, I always just saw, like, this kid Ray Volpe, and then they told me it's, like, this kid who was probably, like, I don't know, 14 or 15 yeah. at the time. But, like, the music he was making was, like, the dubstep that they were kind of putting out on Kairos Audio was, like, kind of what you would expect, like, if you're familiar with Dirt Monkey's music now. It's, like, that wobbly, wonky, like, style dubstep. Mm -hmm. And Ray Volpe was making more of the stuff that was, like, bro-step, you know, zomboy-type yeah. stuff, which I liked a lot more. So I was like, who's this guy? Like, and they were like, oh, it's this kid we found from, like, North Carolina. And they were like, we're taking him on a tour. I'm like, you're taking this, like, 15-year-old kid on tour? I'm like, yeah. And they, like, played a couple of shows. And, like, eventually one of the shows that I traveled to just as, like, because Dirt Monkey was playing and a couple other friends I knew had Ray on the lineup. It was at a music uh, amusement park in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh called Ascension Festival. There was, like, roller coasters, like, all around you and shit. But, like, yeah, I met him there finally for the first time. And then we just, like, always talked online because... Yeah. He's kind of got the same personality as I do as far as like the internet culture where like you can meet someone online and like they could be your best friend. Yeah. And it's like really easy for us to like for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So we always just talked. Always a big fan of his music and then like same kind of thing. I would just kind of start sending him some of my music and like eventually it got better where he started like, you know, respecting it a little yeah. bit more. And that's when we've been like friends ever since. How about with snails? That mostly came from just me or him supporting a lot of my music. And it was just kind of like a natural like connection, like meet a couple of times at a couple of shows. Uh, he's always like a really nice guy and like easy to talk to guy. And he wanted to make a song, so I like wrote an idea, sent it to him, he bounced back an idea. Then we were on like Skype for a while and like I was like making the, uh, the song while he could like watch or, or like control my mouse like as well. Oh wow. There's like programs for that, so like I know, this is a really easy song to make, mm -hmm. like, what a really, really easy song. Oh my god, I wasn't scared, were you scared? Oh my. Can you talk about how Island came about with Seven Lines? I started making 
music with a guy named Sam, who goes by Trivecta. Mm-hmm. And he's like more of like the Seven Lions vibe. I found like a couple of songs on SoundCloud. And we wrote a song called Falling. Uh, we're actually both going on uh, the Voyage tour together and bringing oh, nice. him along as like my direct support. It's, it's gonna be insane. He's like kind of like makes the, like more like the melodic dubstep that you would kind of find in more like Seven Lions stuff. Um, and Seven Lions started supporting our song Falling a lot. Um, and we just kind of started talking. This is how I guess how it just works with all like my collabs. Like I just kind of start talking to them and we become friends. Mm-hmm. And then like eventually down the line, line like you're just kind of make the like the next discussion which is like do you guys want to like write a song or like I got this idea of like do you want to like work on it and they usually either say yes I would love to or no I'm too busy so like those yeah. are the two answers you give in music industry like yeah. I would love to or like oh I just can't right now I'm really busy mm-hmm. yeah those are the two answers you get I started with me just having the dubstep drop that's like kind of in the middle it just comes out of nowhere and uh, we built around that um, it was originally just going to be Seven Lions and myself. It was a collab that we started. And then we brought in Sam because, like, we really wanted just to hammer in the, the melodic drop, like, just crush it. And when you get someone who's already amazing, like Seven Lions, and, like, someone who's, in my opinion, just as amazing, Trivecta, and then you combine them, you know it's going to be a good song. Because, yeah. like, yeah, we're just going to crush it. What's the inspiration behind that myth? I've always had like the woolly name and I wanted to make an EP that was like very loud and stompy and like big. Mm-hmm. And I started working with this like um, this new visual art guy who does all my like visuals and videos. And he built this like mammoth as my visual, just giant one like tearing through the city or like, um, I don't know, he just like, he crushed this visual. And we're like, okay, we want to like, expand on this whole idea of like this giant mammoth so that we just took literally screenshots where we told them just like give me like stills yeah. from the video and that we that's what we used as the ep art and everything it was like super easy to come together mm-hmm. have but you always been into mammoths i've always been into elephants i would say that like the transition from elephant to mammoth was more <laughs> of into like branding thing i feel like because i couldn't pick a name when i was like picking my name yeah i wanted to give it a real shot yeah. and like it's really important now with so much like amazing music coming out that like you you need to pick some kind of brand that you can create a world around. So mm-hmm. like you know, you have Jaws and a Shark Squad and oh, like yeah. you have snails and his vomit stuff. Like he, he like creates these worlds around their music and their shows. So something I really wanted to do as well and like um, as lame as it sounded, like I just kinda like thought of some things like what are some of my favorite animals? What has a a good emoji because yeah. as stupid as that sounds it works like you need to have some kind of like thing to like just add to like posts and stuff that makes it pretty easy to recognize mm-hmm. who's the one saying it um so yeah i feel like after all that and then i was like heavy dubstep i felt like my drums were always on the heavier side so it like kind of like mimicked some giant elephant stomping yeah and then even like my melodic stuff is like still pretty loud and like heavy for melodic it's not very like airy like some of like the future bass stuff with like their synths and stuff i kind of just like put a wall of sound even though it's melodic mm-hmm. so that's kind of how i like came to uh the whole woolly thing and making the mammoth ep what kind of upcoming music do you have so right now i'm actually in this weird period where i have a lot of music to get out 
Um, I haven't really released a song since Island, which is back in January. Yeah. I think I have like 12 or 13 songs right now that are just ready to be released. I have a song coming out uh, next week, July 22nd on Welcome Records, which is Kezo's label. Yeah. Um, and that's like a half dubstep, half Psytrance song. That's cool. Um, so I have that one, and then I have two songs to come out, which are melodic uh, on Seven Lines label, Ophelia. And then I've kind of hinted at it. I didn't really make an official like statement, uh, or either, I don't think he has either. But I'm doing, I went over to Excision's house, we wrote a bunch of songs. Oh, huge. And uh, we're doing like a collab EP. Yeah. So hopefully we get that out before Lost Lands. That'd be ideal if we did. But you know how things go. Kind of like how I got to this like point where I have all this music is basically just trying to like work with people for release schedules, which in the music industry is probably like the hardest part. People yeah. are like, you wrote the song, why don't you just put it out? You're like, okay, you have to wait for the label. Mm. And if you the collab, it has to be also a good time for the person you collabed with, which for some reason it never is. So they always like push it off, push it off. So now I just have all this music to get just like dump on people before the year ends. Mm -hmm. And actually, was it difficult to like quit your par uh, your dad's company and do music full time? Well, the good thing about being a financial advisor and try to be a musician is you make your own hours. Oh, it's all true. commission based in financial advising. So if you're not working, you're not making money. So you put more time into that. But I noticed that like eventually the teetering of like how much money you can make like started to switch where yeah. I was making more money in music so I had put more focus in music and like if you're gonna try to do music you have to really just like go go all in like yeah. I see some people who kind of just like hang around and like they don't really get that one big jump that they need or they're like they're also focusing on school which they should be doing you mm -hmm. know if they're doing school or unless like you know there's like that like rare occasion where like okay you drop out of school to do music and like yeah. it pops off and then you're like sick that was worth it but um yeah I just it was like I could still kind of maintain some of my clients if I need to um in financial advising just because of the nature of like you're just assisting people who need like mm. money for retirement there's like mostly older clients so I'm no, I'm no longer prospecting new clients but I can still maintain clients. Oh wow, so you're still working on that. So you can still, That's yeah, I'm cool. still technically doing both. Mm -hmm. I still have all my licenses and everything like that. Yeah. So uh, I feel like I got really lucky with that. It's not like a nine to five job where like, okay, I have to quit now because yeah. like, I'm doing music. But I mean, I would say it's kind of similar in music as well, where if you're not working, you're not gonna, Yeah. you're never gonna like, you know, ma maintain or even get better in your career or higher in your career. Mm -hmm. So. It allowed me to do a lot of things like go on a bunch of bus tours, which I've been like extremely grateful to be going upon. But like, yeah, you just got to travel a lot. So yeah. you can't really do that while doing like corporate jobs or like if you're in like retail or the food industry. Oh, yeah. It's kind of hard to balance both, I'm assuming. How would you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? I've been, I was always kind of introverted mm -hmm. as a kid. And then once you kind of start doing music, and playing shows especially, you have to become more of a personality and more like open to meeting new people, yeah. having conversations with people you never met before. Like um, one of the things that Bear Girls kind of taught us 
when I went on his first bus tour and just as like a person, he was like very connected with his fans. Clearly, I was even a friend with, like I was his friend before mm-hmm. anything. So like you meet these people, you make, you make an effort to meet as many people as you can, learn about these people and like see if you can get some kind of like connection so you remember their names or do the best you can. Obviously you can't do that for everybody, but try to do as many meet and greets and like make yourself available to people. And I feel like me doing that was kind of broke me out of my shell and made me less introverted. What would you say have been the biggest challenges so far in your life? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I've had like, I don't, I never really had like a rough childhood. Yeah. I never really had like anything like that. So I think my like the biggest challenges was just like overcoming like being socially awkward Mm. and like stuff like that. Yeah. Which I'm still like, I'm just better at hiding it now. But I didn't really have like, like I said, I didn't have like a tough childhood or, um, I was fortunate to get a job right out of school working for my dad. Like these are all things that like looking back were like extremely fortunate handouts that I've been given Mm -hmm. that like probably helped me a lot to get to where I am now where I wasn't really struggling ever. But, I mean, I still had, like, crappy jobs growing up, just to, like, I guess, build character, and, like, they never really, I never got, like, allowance or stuff like that, so I was still, like, kind of, like, make my own money, but it was never, like, a top childhood by mm-hmm. Last question, what do you want to be remembered for? Someone that, like, the audience, or, like, fans, or anyone who listens to music, is, like, they can, they can connect with me easily, because I feel mm-hmm. like when I was, like, going to so many shows and concerts and festivals, I always wanted that with the artists I was like really like either following or going to see them play or in like the crowd loving their set. I was kind of like always wondered like how would it be if I was like friends with that guy or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. So like I made a lot of friends outside of like other people who are like working in the industry like music like DJs and producers and stuff like that. I made a lot of friends who are just people that I met at my shows and stuff like that. And it's been like, I don't know, kind of rewarding, I suppose, because mm-hmm. I don't I don't really go out of my way normally to make friends. <laughs> I kind of just like <laughs> make natural connections or kind of just like my introvert kind of keeps me from doing that. Dude, thank you so much. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> yes. Bye. Bye. a lot of sticky ones and you know when you're our age Josh is 31 I'm 28 we're not like kids you know so when you've been like in a few management situations or a few label situations or anything like that and they haven't gone the way you initially planned 
meeting someone like Rossi seems a bit too good to be true. Mm. You know, and like the whole disciple crew, all these videos, you were like, right, they all look like real posy and everyone's real happy, but is it like that? And and that was kind of our initial like concern, or at least it was mine. Um, and yeah, no, it really is. Like there is a great, great vibe and being a small label in a small kind of genre, it's like it's easy to maintain that really good vibe. Yeah. And that's what it is really. It's just a really good family vibe and everyone looks out for everyone. There's no bitchiness. Like everyone's supporting mm. everyone's music. Someone has a release and it's bumped on everyone's pages and that's great. Yeah. And it's not a it's not a guy in the office doing it, it's us, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that that is something that, that'll always kinda make people like me and Josh, you know, wanna like gravitate towards that. It's just like sweet man. Mm-hmm. actual real people being really nice to each other and it's refreshing it's like yeah. you want to make music and send it to someone who you flip and respect and have them get right back to you and like you know send send their shit and like you know it's just really nice nothing's contrived or fake it's just it's real it's, it's like it's rare it's a unique thing that they've got and they've worked like five years to get that yeah so, yeah big up disciple crew does it feel a bit different because you've been in like bands and doing drums for your whole life and now maybe you categorize under more of like a EDM producer or...? Uh, no, not, not particularly. So I'm um, yeah. like, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't champion my production skills. I suck. I'm pretty deaf. You know? mm-hmm. um, I've, I've done like thousands of shows in my life. Um, I wouldn't... I think I did a hearing test recently and I struggled to hear over 10.5k. So oh my gosh. I'm like... I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm heading for a hearing aid before I'm like 35, so I wouldn't like jump in the producer seat and want to make a banger straight away. But like in in terms of like songwriting, I still enjoy like putting together a, a, a piece of work. That being said, Josh has worked on everything in the last two EPs, mm-hmm. the one that we just dropped, Echoes, and this new one. He's basically just been whipping them up, yeah. fucking quick. Like I think he did this last one in one week, <laughs> but like. The, the, the bulk of the work, I, like, you know, in one day, I'm pretty sure he sent me over two almost finished songs kind of from that EP that are both on the EP. So he's kind of on fire at the moment. Um, as far as, like, my contribution, like, so I've got a sample pack coming out with Virtual Riot mm-hmm. um, for, like, just, just drums, like, yeah. exclusively, like, rhythm and dubstep drums. It's got a cool name, um, and I'm going to put it all on, like, line very soon. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but if it's sometime soon, it'll probably be dropping at the same sort of time. So yeah, um, yeah. In the next month anyway. Mm-hmm. So that'll be all. That'll be all available for everyone to sort of uh, grab off uh, off the internet when it's all dropped. There'll be a link to everything, and yeah, hopefully uh, everyone starts using my shit and yeah. their songs because that's kind of what I like. You know, I, I, I like. I think drums are such a massive part of dubstep or any EDM genre for that matter, or any genre of music. So like, if I can make as many six sample packs as I can make for different like things, like a future bass one with future bass fills and you know drum and bass ones with drum and bass breaks and just keep doing that, that's kind of my contribution. That's where I want to aim to be in the next few years is just like keeping Josh laced with like drum pa- uh, you know drum samples and stuff that he can use in, in, in the music mm-hmm. he makes. Because it kind of makes everyone's life easier when there's real good stuff to just drag and drop, you know? That's kind of the the new the new way of making tunes. I mm-hmm. think if you're sat there like programming all day long, it kind of gets super boring when you're trying to put down an idea. So that's yeah. kind of that's my thing. I want to get like new and creative drum loops in the mix and make dubstep a bit more dynamic and fun and live and real. That's my aim. That's my goal. Yeah. Yep. Day to day, if he's doing more of the producing, are you more? Of, do you do more of the the live, like live performance, like getting into that, or day to day? How do your roles so, uh, differ? So we 
like well we do shows together yeah we prepare for shows together so that side of it's kind of uh kind of normal it's mm -hmm. more just like josh will have a lot of times in the diary when we're not touring there's no shows and it might be like two weeks or even like five days in between shows and it'll just be like block booked out with like ep production so he'll know exactly how long he has and the deadline will be in that month at some point and he'll just have maybe like two block book weeks to work on it mm -hmm. and that's kind of how that works now normally we used to write as you know when we were four people there'd be four people in a room but like i said josh is uh since he's been like in la since we moved over here i think just hanging around hanging around with a whole bunch of people on disciple it's like they almost treat music production like a game it's 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 like you know like let me see your new ids like you know and people go go home and whip up two or three new ones it's um it's just like the, the speed at which people are making like really sick playable music has just gone tenfold in the last few years so now that josh is kind of like on that it's yeah it's like you know if you, if you blink you might miss a tune Mm -hmm. um, I know we made a drum and bass one last night. I saw him tweet about it. So, <laughs> you know, but that's mm -hmm. that's the nature of it. When when inspira inspiration is 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 kind of striking, you got to go with it. What does success mean to Modestep? Oh, that's a very difficult question. To be honest, I'm, I'm I'm fairly certain we can consider ourselves successful. The amount of stuff we've come kind of come through, mm -hmm. um, and we're still an act. You know, it's been almost ten years for for Josh um, and six for me. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I'd say, I'd say what is success? Will you ever know if you're killing it at the time? Probably, probably not. You'll probably look back after six months or a year and be like, holy fuck, man, that summer festival season killed it. But, yeah. you know, you won't know until you're on your headlining dates playing to, you know, an, an eighth of that many people. You won't know until, you know, you feel it. You know, there's certain sobering things in, in, in the music industry that will kind of make you feel like unsuccessful and there's ones that will make you feel like you're a king, so. Mm -hmm. You just gotta fake the rough with this move. Yeah, we have. I'd say we're successful. Yeah. Right? And, and like stupidly lucky to be able to do it. Dubstep took a dip, and like our own country, where where it's from, wouldn't play it on the radio. You know, it, it was getting no love. So, for for Josh to have kind of kept playing dubstep, even in all of that climate, mm. you know, he, you know, when you could have been playing house and other things. You know, and I'm not naming names, I'm not chatting shit, I'm just saying, like, there's a certain amount to be said for acts that don't, you know, stray too far from the path of the cause. So, like, I always say the same band comes back to them every time, but Iron Maiden have done the same record for, like, 35 years. It's always the same branding, it's the same type of tunes, it's, it's like, that's why they're, they're still relevant, and they're still big today, and still selling sh shows out, because... You know they've given their fan base exactly what they want so once you have a fan base which most of have it's really important to not alienate them or push them away and give them stuff that they they don't want or or, or are interested in you know, yeah you, you know but at the same time as playing to like the people that make you a band you got to keep yourself happy and mm -hmm. fulfilled so it's it's a balance yeah it's i love balance. this yeah thank you so much no worries, no worries. <laughs> bye